Hey uh, there, everybody. You're listening to the Total Basis Podcast. I am your host, Felipe Melicio. And I am once again flying solo today as we continue our series on the ESPN Top 300. Uh, we're going to concentrate on pitchers today, uh, see how far I can get. Uh, I'm on a kind of on a tight schedule. Uh, something happened with my camera, so uh, you can't see me. Sorry, I'm the John Cena of this podcast. But also, I will not be on Facebook Live as uh, I'm kind of in a rush and I might just end up doing this in parts here, but still wanted to get this out before Tristan Cockruff decided to uh, uh, update his rankings once again. And I'll be once again behind the eight ball. So again, hopefully people find this very useful. Um, until then, again, this is not a podcast, not a total basis podcast show. Um, unless I am creating a spreadsheet and I am, there it is. If you're on the YouTube channel, uh, over at the life group podcasts, uh, YouTube channel, you can see the visual there. And once again, uh, you know, trying to look for some of the, uh, names that are on the back end of each uh, tier. So right now I'm looking at rankings one through 15 at starting pitcher, uh, everybody knows Spencer Strider, Garrett Cole, Corbin Burns, Zach Wheeler, Kevin Gossman, Luis Castillo, George Kirby, surprisingly at number seven, according to ESPN's top 300 starting pitching rankings. And then there's Zach Gallen. So I'm looking more towards the back end of that list, you know, anywhere between nine and 15, uh, as that would be an indicator as to what I envision a sleeper would be. Uh, of that list, usually I have a, a qualm about picking any pitchers in the top 12, top, even in the top 10. Uh, I guess if I have to choose as a surefire thing in 2024, last year was Spencer Strider. Like, I think Spencer Strider was ranked like in the top 15, somewhere in the back, on the, in the second half of the top 15. And I go, and I think I told everybody, by all means, go ahead, draft Spencer Strider with confidence. You'll thank me later. And uh, that's exactly what happened. I think this year, Zach Wheeler will be my guy at the number four spot. Um, maybe Luis Castillo, but I, I don't know. That's, I think Wheeler might be, I know he plays in a bad ballpark, but he might be the, uh, the, the, the quote unquote SP one elite pitcher, elite starting pitcher to get here. So that would be my recommendation, but it's still early. We'll see what these rankings go, uh, as the off season continues on and the reason i look at rankings because i i like the rankings i like the what the experts so-called experts think plus at the end of the day uh average strap position um takes from i believe takes from the expert rankings and vice versa the expert rankings take from adp they're kind of interchangeable at this point but uh tyler glass now is uh the first pitcher uh that i would recommend at the number nine spot as one of my uh, quote-unquote sleepers. I know people know who he is. He's not much of a sleeper. But the, the fact that he's ranked number nine um, just shows that um, that people, that Tristan Cockroft and ESPN are still kind of wary about him. Uh, he does come with injury risk. He does come with, um, uh, what was it, the Tommy John surgery from 2021, I believe. He missed uh, almost the entire 2022 season. That's always been uh, – and the Dodgers, will, will they be babying him uh, the rest of the season? But I'm telling you right now, he's in the right situation getting traded to the Dodgers. He's uh, he's 
you know, they believe in him. Uh, they gave him a big contract. So uh, I think they're going to really uh, use, utilize him as the ace pitcher on that staff. I know that they do things a little bit different in, in Los Angeles there. But, yeah, I mean, he's backed by a great bullpen, I think. Great, uh, backed by a, a, a great cast of hitters. And I don't think the Dodgers are quite done yet, although – the Dodger fans will remind me that, well, they still need to get rid of some guys and their 40-man roster in order to make room for some more signings. So we'll see what the, what they end up doing. Maybe Miguel Vargas or Michael Bush could be dangled out there, but I don't know. I We'll find out soon enough. But uh, I, I mean, this lineup with Mookie Betts, Shohei Otani, Freddie Freeman, Will Smith, Max Muncy, James Altman, which was everybody's uh, deep sleeper darling last year around this time. Uh, so yeah, lots a lot a lot a lot to like here with the Dodgers, and therefore Tyler Glass now should benefit greatly. Uh, he still comes with a double digit strikeout per nine. Can has shown time and time again that he can control his walks. The peripherals uh, uh, agree with him that he is a stud, especially at number nine. I mean, the cost should be pretty damn cheap at that point for a starting pitcher of his caliber. Uh, the swinging rates, uh, actually, swinging rates, uh, the 48.4% of 2023 is the highest he's uh, that he's ever registered since 2021 before he got hurt. And he was able to match the 32%, well, 32.4 versus 32.6% in 2021. So, and also the second highest swinging strike rate, the and the highest call plus swinging strike rate percentage at uh, of his career 33.4 it looks like the surgery not only uh, you know got him back to that near elite status but it also cemented him as someone that you can um that actually actually improved some of this uh uh opposing hitter uh, swinging tendencies as well so with that being said we can move on to the next guy which is as long as my uh computer is able to cooperate with me it is pablo lopez which kind of a personal story here i actually drafted him uh sometime in the middle rounds in my points league last year i missed out on him in my other two categories league but that's okay um because pablo lopez <clears throat> pretty is a kind of dependable guy uh but he's always had this um like low floor, uh, consistent uh, pitcher, but it's more like um, what's the word that they like to? What's the phrase that they like to use? Oh, I forgot. But something <laughs> uh, solid but unspectacular. That's how I viewed him, and I actually did wave him sometime in the middle of the year just because I had so many injuries, and Pablo Lopez was uh, hurting uh, in terms of uh, the lack of points. Uh, you know, it's a points league, so the leash was already short to begin with. And boy, that ended up being a big mistake. 194 innings pitched last year, double digit strikeout per nine, was able to once again keep his walks in control. Uh, actually, that last year's 2.23 walk per nine ratio was the lowest it's been since 2019. So, uh, and again, the peripherals, uh, solid threes all around. Um, Nothing above 3.5. What about his Sierra? Is that above 3.5? Nope, 3.37. So, yeah, uh, I don't know if you can go in trusting him as your SP1, but as a guy who's coming uh, back on your uh, on the back end of this uh, top 10 list, uh, you could do a lot worse, a lot worse than Pablo Lopez. Uh, he should be 
once again uh, on an interesting Minnesota Twins lineup, uh, Minnesota Twins roster. Uh, there's a lot to like here for Pablo Lopez. I know it's a, it's not a sexy name, but it's a solid name. Again, solid but spectacular. But I think uh, last year, if it, if it's any indication, last season, uh, Pablo Lopez made me eat my words, and uh, yeah, proceed uh, with confidence. He's in his mid twenty, actually 27, 28 years old. So if you believe in that type of stuff, technically middle of his uh, peak here. Anyway, let's go move on to Tariq Skubal. I, I mean, these are some interesting teams here, the Twins and now the Tigers. Skubal ended up being, you know, in a world, on a, in a roster with guys like Matt Manning, Casey Mize. Um, I forgot what the other... Um, what the other... Uh, pitchers were on that team it seemed like for a while they were just they had a lot of uh pitching prospects that everybody was keeping an eye on and they all had a uh, high uh what do you call it high draft capital like Casey Mize was a former number one pick overall and Tariq Skubal continues to be that dude he's the most consistent young guy young pitcher that they had although now he's I didn't realize he was already already 27 so not sure if you want to call him a late bloomer or not, but again, uh, no, not even a late bloomer. He he started playing around his uh, his first season was in twenty twenty. I didn't realize that, but twenty twenty one was his sort of his breakout year. Uh, yeah, in twenty twenty one, proving that he can hold his own, and he was kind of fast tracking. At least he ended up being a lot having a, a faster development than guys like Casey Mize and. Uh, Who's the other guy that I mentioned? Matt Manning. So Scooball, I'm all in on Scooball. Uh, number 11 might be too high, but that must mean that Cockroft really loves the Tigers coming into the season. Yeah, he uh, Cockroft actually moved them up his rankings above guys like, above ahead of guys like Aaron Nola, Logan Webb, Max Freed, even Yoshinobu Yamamoto, who, uh, yeah, I don't know if I, <laughs> I don't know if I would pick a Scooball ahead of him, but at number 11, uh, you know, that seems... I just wanted to give Tariq Skubal some love. I don't know if I want to con, uh, convince myself that he's my number one guy. But, you know, I guess considered, considering who else is out there. Like, Aaron Nola, I know, has always been a dependable guy. But, man, that the velocity seems to be dropping on him every season. The strikeout numbers seem to be dropping every season. And, you know what? Shame on me. I just caught myself assuming things that, without really checking so this was not supposed to be an Aaron Nola thing. I just wanted to give some shine to Tariq Skubal. But while I'm on topic, might as well see if my uh, hypothesis or if my declarations are correct about Mr. Aaron Nola of your Philadelphia Phillies. So I'm just kind of waiting for this thing to load up on the other screen. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Tariq Skubal still showing up. So as you guys can see, 9, 10, and number 11 uh, starting pitchers were the guys I went with in that first tier that you see there. Let's see. Yeah, uh, Scooble, uh, Sc Aaron Nola, uh, for last season, his uh, uh, strikeout per nine ratio went down below 10 for the first time since 2018. He was at 9.39, still respectable, still can control his walks. But yeah, the, he's not dominating like he used to. It seems like the arrow's pointing down. Uh, he'll be 31 by June of next uh, of this upcoming uh, season in 2024. Uh, what else did I not like about him? Uh, strikeout per walk. Yeah, strikeout per walk. Uh, four, four and a half isn't too bad, I guess. I'm not, 
not gonna. Yeah, he's always had really good control, even in Philadelphia. But still, uh, a a four o three FIP, which is uh, pretty darn high for a guy of his caliber. That's the highest it's been since twenty nineteen. Uh, well, the home run rabbit ball was in full effect that season. Actually, his home runs also went up one point four nine home run per nine in twenty twenty three. Uh, anything else that's kind of uh. uh eye-opening here. I mean, he's still giving up somewhat of a weak contact. His hard hit rate is below 40%. So he's keeping hitters honest. Uh, still gives up, induces more grounders than fly balls, which is a good thing, especially if you're going to be playing in Philadelphia. So, but I don't know. It's just uh, not 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 a not a sexy pick for me. Uh, velocity is dropping. Every year it drops another tenth of a, per, uh, tenth of a mile per hour. And not only that, and I'm sorry, when I say velocity, I mean on his fastball, on his fastball, sorry. And not only that, but he's throwing more of his knuckle curve, which you know, nowadays, that, that's just the way it is nowadays in Major League Baseball. But, I mean, his velocity on his fastball is dropping. His sinker velocity is also dropping much more precipitously than his uh, four-seamer. And his knuckle, knuckle curve clocks in at about 79 miles an hour. So he still needs to depend on those fastballs, uh, especially on those locations, uh, the location on the fastball and sinker, if he's going to uh, utilize his knuckle curve to his full advantage. And uh, that's too much junk ball pitcher type to, uh, for my liking. Meanwhile, Terry Schoolball uh, broke out last year with an 11.43 strikeout per nine ratio. Uh, yeah, strikeout per nine ratio. Uh, a walk per nine below two, which is monumental. Peripherals love him. Uh, also keeps his, the hitters honest. Uh, coming from the left side of the of the rubber, there he does. Yeah, he does throw a left-handed. Just making sure. The other thing I like about him is, yeah, uh, his fastball is getting better and better every year in terms of the velo. Ninety-five point eight was, uh, is what the average was on his fastball last season after. Three consecutive seasons of 94 mile per hour, just hovering around there. So the arrow is pointing up. Might as well go all in on Terry Scooball. The Tigers are also an improving team with uh, uh, Spencer Torkelson and Riley Green. I think I mentioned those guys on the previous podcast episode as well. Uh, where's the plate discipline? Oh, I mean, plate discipline. This guy just induces a lot of swings last year. Now you can tell me that pretty fluky of him to be doing all this uh, after years of kind of uh, going up and down, uh, showing ebb and flow in his uh, production, but I, 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 I don't see it that way. I, I quite the opposite. I see that this is a, a culmination of just grinding out and playing for an awful team like the Tigers and just putting in your work and just, you know, going from a ninth round pick to being a top five prospect for your major league team and just working your way into uh, prominence here as a, as a promising prospect. So there's a lot, love, a lot to love about Tariq Skubal. So, we move on to uh, pitchers, starting pitchers number sixteen to through thirty. Grayson Rodriguez. You know, you guys know how I feel about Grayson Rodriguez. He's been a guy that I uh, that's been on my radar. Uh, I've been uh, clamoring for him. I've been, uh, I don't even know if that's the right word, clamor. I've been clamoring. I've been yearning for him. I've been all in on this kid. Six five, two hundred twenty pounder will be twenty four years old. Entering the 2024 season, former first-round pick, uh, former it says he was number 16 overall and the Fangraphs top 100. I could have sworn he was at least top five, but 
like uh, these 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 rankings and ratings are so dynamic and it's hard to pinpoint where the uh where this where where everything is stopped and resetting at all at any time so we'll go with number 16 either way highly touted prospect um some some of the best prospect grades i've seen in a long time from a pitcher although it looks like uh it dropped a little bit last year some of those prospect grades i could have sworn there was a lot of 60s and 70s all across the board which is the reason why I got excited for the kid. But I should have known better that even those prospect grades are um, a dynamic as well and that they're constantly changing. But look at this. Graduate, uh, too long do, uh, too long to read or whatever that, TLDR, uh, according to his Fangraphs page. Prospect era Rodriguez was evaluated as a potential front-end arm. At time of graduation, his rookie season had been marred by an extremely unlucky home run per fly ball rate. So yeah, he did ironically did struggle. Even though uh, Baltimore has become this uh, this place, this uh, ballpark where um, where it's become more pitcher friendly, but yeah, you know, home run per nine was at one point one eight, which is not too bad. I mean, you we still wanted lower than that. Um, expected ERA of four one point eight, but everything else like the FIP xFIP. Uh, those were below four. What well, where was his Sierra? That was four point zero one. So, uh, but you know, for a rookie of his uh, of his stature, which we find out that there's more growing pains than what we anticipated. I think he showed a lot of uh, character, some strides towards uh, some consistency, and we saw some of the th some of the promise that was bestowed upon him as a former first round pick and a highly touted prospect. I think that 2024 should be more of a breakout or at least more continuing um, more continuing improvement. And as, as pitcher number 22, well, I mean, who else was on this, on this list here? At 22nd rank, uh, Joe Musgrove? Nah. Joe Ryan? Mm, we'll see about Joe Ryan. Jesus Lizardo? Maybe I'll pick him over Grayson Rodriguez, maybe. Yuri Perez? Uh, well, that's another risk there, but I think... Uh, I think I still take Grayson over Perez. Justin Steele, I still take Grayson. Kyle Bradish, his teammate, uh, Grayson Rodriguez. Bobby Miller, I think I'm slightly going towards Grayson Rodriguez. Over Sonny Gray, oh, oh boy, that's a tough one. Ah, kind of a wash there, but I think the fact that he's Gray is not with the Cardinals kind of a, is a major turnoff for me. Jordan Montgomery. I think I'll say take. I still take Grayson Rodriguez. Dylan Cease definitely take Grayson Rodriguez. Justin Verlander. Yeah, I've been down. I've been down on uh, Verlander before, and he was going consistently in the top two hundred, like close to you know pick number one ninety five, one ninety nine, in a lot of the drafts I was involved in, and and the mock drafts, and a lot of the uh, uh, expert rankings. This year, he only moved up fifty spots to, uh, according to Tristan Cockroft, uh, to number one forty five. So. I don't know. Grayson Rodriguez or Justin Verlander, I think uh, for this upcoming season, I, I might be worth... Well, then again, you could you could wait around for Justin Verlander. But see, the thing with Justin Verlander is that he's so damn popular that he will be reached for. I don't think he'll be available at pick number 145. Rodriguez is going to pick number 86. Man, that's a leap of faith, man. Uh, if you truly believe that Justin Verlander is not the 145th best player on this list that like he should be somewhere in the top 100 by all means but eventually uh, you got to go out with the old and then with the new so so i guess 145 is good value for uh justin verlander but 
at any case, I think I still will go for the potential of Grayson Rodriguez. I think he's in for a breakout year in 2024. Uh, speaking of Jesus Luzardo, there he is again. Uh, I'm all in. Uh, Luzardo finally uh, pitching to promise that he has had since his days in Oakland. Uh, I know he, I believe he battled some injuries throughout his career, but I, the, a hell of a breakout for uh, Luzardo last year. Uh, once again, uh, posting a K per nine over 10 and a half through in 178 innings. So finally showing like durability and is able to also show some of his control. And man, there's the peripherals are all there. There's a lot to love about this kid, man. Is he still a kid? 26. Um, By comparison, everybody's a kid compared to me, but uh, yeah, I, I guess he's still kind of, growing into his own uh he's he did post a fly ball a higher a slightly higher fly ball rate than ground ball rate but i think as a you know he pitches in miami so like miami is notorious for being a pitcher friendly ballpark so i guess you will take that but the things to love about him and i can already sense that the plate discipline numbers career high swinging percentage of 48.5 percent career high outside the strike zone swing percentage of 34%. So he's getting hitters to chase. All of this by still dominating the contact rates, still hovering around 70%. That's the stuff you like to see. Swinging strike rate back at 14% for the first time since his rookie year in 2019, or his debut year of 2019. If he actually pitched enough innings to be considered a rookie, or if, it, or if his rookie season, quote-unquote his rookie season, yeah, he only pitched in six games, so 12 innings pitched total. So his debut season of 2019. So for all intents and purposes, 14.1% is a new record for Jesus Lozardo. Uh, he did take a dip in the call per call plus swinging strike percentage combination, but it's still close to 30% at 29.8% there. By all means, man, you don't need me to tell you about Jesus Lazardo. You guys should know who he is by now. And 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 guess well, if this is a sleeper uh, episode. Why you are you mentioning him? But the same reason. I mean, who was there available at, at, uh, between sixteen and thirty? Again, uh, there's Yui Perez, Justin Steele, Kyle Bradish, Bobby Miller, Sonny Gray, Jordan Montgomery, Dylan Cease, Justin Verlander. Oops, I, I went too far. But yeah, Dylan Cease, Justin Verlander. Uh, I guess compared to some of those names I mentioned, like Sonny Gray, Justin Verlander, and Dylan Cease, Jesus Luzardo is not a household name, so that's the case I'm making here. But uh, yeah, compared to... And then Joe Musgrove is also ranked ahead. I'm telling you right now, nah, I would put Jesus Luzardo ahead of that ranking. Uh, Joe Musgrove, the 23rd best starting pitcher according to the ESPN Top 300. I disagree with that. I would put Luzardo... Hell, I'll even put Luzardo ahead of uh, Grayson Rodriguez at number 22. Maybe even ahead of Kodai Senga or Zach Eflin or Logan Gilbert. Okay, now I'm just talking crazy, right? But yeah, proceed with much confidence. If you get Jesus Lozardo, do an end zone dance. You deserve it. And, I, you know, I can't, you know, Yuri Perez, I did mention him uh, in in passing. And uh, I've been pretty high on this kid for a while. And, and there's a there's a, a understatement of the year. A kid, six foot eight. <laughs> Yeah, he's uh, only 20, so technically not old enough to drink. He'll be 21 by tax day of uh, of this upcoming season. But, uh, yeah, he's a big boy, man. And I think uh, 
he showed some promise, a lot of promise last year. Yeah, the home run was high, way too many fly balls. But still, I think he was able to hold his own last year, all things considered. Uh, the Marlins uh, were going to baby him, but he still was able to produce a double-digit K per nine, 28.9% strikeout rate, respectable three uh, walk per nine ratio, 1.13 uh, whip. Yeah, the FIP is a little high, but I think that's because of the home run uh, issue. What was his XFIP? Uh, 4.24. So, so a work in progress, I will admit. Uh, Sierra, though, that that's the uh, ERA component that uh, takes into config, uh, into uh, into consideration the batted ball data as well. Uh, was below four at three point nine four. I'm telling you guys, this guy's in the in the right direction. Um, the Marlins like him. Otherwise, you know, yeah. I mean, if the Marlins didn't like him, he's probably be loitering or floundering in the minors, but they decided, no, this kid's ready right now. Yuri Perez, pencil in as a number two starter. I mean, come on. Let's go. Let's go. Let's get this show on the road, man. Do not let Yuri Perez go. I mean, okay, let's take a look at some of these other pitchers that are ranked ahead of Yuri Perez. Uh, starting at number 21, Kodai Senga. I think I will still take uh, Yuri Perez. Blake Snell. Okay, maybe I'll take Blake Snell there. Maybe. Zach Gufflin, I'd rather have Yuri Perez. Logan Gilbert, Yuri Perez. Freddie Peralta, I'm a sucker for these prospects, man. I will take Yuri Perez. Freddie Peralta, oh, I just mentioned him. Frambro Valdez. Yeah, something was off about Frambro Valdez last year. Usually a guy that I depend on uh, in every draft I'm in. But I think this year uh, I would rather have Yuri Perez over Frambro Valdez and take the risk of, of uh, having a young arm who hasn't pitched uh, who hasn't had? Who hasn't shown that he can handle the workload? It's fine. Framer Valdez has shown that he can handle the workload, and he looked like he was gas at the end of the season. So it's just a matter of what you're looking for. Uh, but yeah, and chasing upside, I'll admit it. I'm chasing upside at starting pitcher. Like, not that Framer Valdez doesn't have any upside whatsoever. I still believe in him, but just something's off about him that I'm not liking. Meanwhile, Yuri Perez, I think we're only seeing, uh, we're just seeing just a, a small window of how dominant he could be and uh man he's just he just comes with a lot of promise man those three pitchers grayson rodriguez azuzu zardo yuri perez i don't know about you guys but if i get any of those uh, two out of those three guys hell if i get one of those three guys uh i would be ecstatic but best believe i'll be targeting all three of those pitchers to come my way two pitchers number 31 to 45 i start out with Tanner uh, Bybee, I guess that's how you pronounce it. I've been pronouncing it Bibby, but I could have sworn I was listening to the Chris Welsh podcast, and shame on me, I already forgot the name of it. Um, this League of Ours, I think it's called? I think they were pronouncing it Tanner Bybee. Feel free to uh, correct me. I'm, you know, I'm a big boy. I could take the criticism. Why don't you learn how to pronounce these ball players' names, you jackass? Like, I'm sorry. I'm in a hurry here. And while that's happening, I'm going to take a sip of water, if you guys don't mind, while my screen loads up on the other end here. Hold on a minute. Hmm. Ah, Tanner Bybee will be 25 years old in March of this upcoming year, 2024, upcoming season, sorry. Uh, he held his own last year, rookie season, uh, pitching 142 innings, close to a nine strikeout per nine ratio, did a wonderful job keeping uh, control of his walks. For those who still care about wins, he got 10 wins on a pretty... I'm sorry, man. That was a really boring, awful Cleveland Guardians team, man. 
Uh, it was so bad that at, at one point they just decided to bring up all their highly touted prospects, especially on the pitching side of things. A little bit of a luck factor going on here with a 286 BABIP, which uh, you still want that hovering around 300. So pretty, it's not that low, but still he definitely benefited from a 286 batted, uh, uh, batting average on balls in play. The left on base percentage of 80%, that's due for some regression as well. That's crazy to for a rookie to have an 80% left on base percentage Start only at 36.8 ground ball rate so uh so we'll see how uh hitters adjust to him uh in this in his uh second year here either way the peripherals love him uh well not xfip xfip does not like him but fip which is a a very important stat to my heart here <laughs> uh 3.52 field independent pitching and for those who don't know what fip means uh, it's basically what can a pitcher do if there was no fielders behind him, can he get strikeouts? Can he control his walks? Can he not hit batters? And can he not give up a lot of home runs? So that's why FIP loves him a lot. 4.19 Sierra. Again, that's because of the of the uh, low BABIP that he benefited from. But still, I don't think it was that high. And I'm kind of shocked that it's uh, at 4.19 Sierra. But still, it's a good start to this kid's career. I know that they like him up there in Cleveland. Up there, down there, somewhere out there. Uh, outside the strike zone, swing percentage only twenty seven point seven percent. But hopefully that uh, that number gets improved upon. I mean, a guy who was this highly regarded as a prospect to, I'm sorry, that's the pitch info plate discipline thirty one point two percent on the Fangraphs regular plate discipline, which is the go to I go with. But still, uh, you I still want to see that a little bit higher. But you know, call plus strikeout. I'm sorry. Called strikes plus swinging percentage, swinging strike percentage, uh, was at twenty seven point six. I used I I would love to see that close to thirty, but for a rookie, it's pretty damn good. Double digit swinging strike percentages, lots of a lot to like here. I think uh, Cleveland has themselves a good one, and I believe he's at the top of that rotation. Which mean uh, which for some people they panic when they see that, like oh that means they got to face the opposing pitcher's ace all the time. I see a little bit different. That means that Cleveland is always going to want to see him uh, start as opposed to uh, you'll skip him or uh, as opposed to a number four, number five starting pitcher, which I, I, you know, call me crazy, but I still think those guys are more skippable than the number one ace or number two rotation guy and a starting pitching staff. Let's see here. Got about 10 more minutes before I have to pause. I'm trying to do a little bit of experimenting today um, as I'm trying to break these episodes into parts here while providing as much info as I can. So that's Tenor uh, Bybee. Oh, and I wanted to double check where is he on the oh, there he is. Cleveland Guardians, he is listed as number three starter. Oh, never mind. I thought he was at the one or two, but number three, eh, still okay. Still in a better position. I mean, he's still ahead of uh, Logan Allen and Gavin Williams, two other prospects and the Guardians um, rotation there. So I'm pretty sure Bybee uh, is not going to be skipped or or babied. I think he showed enough last year to uh, warrant that rotation spot. We go to Bailey Ober, which is a guy that I really have liked for a, a while now. He's the 35th best pitcher. So... Once again, we play that game. So starting at number 31, 
do we go with Jordan Montgomery over either Tanner Bybee or Bailey Ober? I think the time is now for those two, you know, Bybee and Ober uh, to be picked ahead of Montgomery. Dylan Cease, I still am concerned about Dylan Cease's uh, command issues. Bybee and Ober come with no command issues. Uh, they've been pretty uh, good about keeping their walks in check. Although, again, it's one of those things, solid but unspectacular, whereas Cease is inconsistent but just spectacular. The upside is still there. But there's also more um, variance with Dylan C's because eventually, if 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 this uh, starting pitching thing doesn't work, he still profiles as a guy who can always become a relief pitcher. Yes, even at this stage of his career, <laughs> uh, you could probably consider him more of a relief pitcher than starting pitcher if he doesn't keep those walks in check and that command of his stuff in check as well. Whereas Tanner, Tanner Bybee and Bailey Ober have proven that they can, that they have good command and control of their. Uh, other uh, pitches I will admit though Ober does get rocked a lot the one saving grace that he does have is that he does keep his uh, walks in check which is uh, a big deal especially if you're going to pitch for Minnesota it seems like the twins always are looking for that I mean look at this not a he's been in the league for three seasons and and he hasn't been consistently in uh, well I mean 20 games started in his rookie campaign but only 11 last year uh, in 2022, I should say, 26 and 2023. So, but, you know, he has a career 1.81 walk per nine ratio and still posting respectable strikeout per nine ratio uh, as well. Uh, so that's what I, that's this type of stuff I'm looking for. But unfortunately, it does come with a high, actually his whip's not even that high. It wasn't his rookie year, probably because he keeps those, uh, the walks and checks in at such a amazing rate that it does looks favorable uh when you look at his uh whip that's the walks plus hits divided by innings pitch number the one thing i want to see is does how many hits does he give up yeah so he, he gives about 92 hits he threw 92 innings last year or in his rookie campaign i should say well it's improving though uh in 2023 he was at 125 hits against 144 innings so what is that if i could just do some quick math and yeah there it is my computer is not cooperating the way i wanted to but i will eventually get a number and no it's decided that it does not want to work with me hmm it's uh oh wait hold on a minute there now it's working oh so yeah 7.8 hits per nine innings so all the more reason to like this guy. Uh, I know that he doesn't induce a lot of swings, which is a red flag for me. I, I like guys who can induce a lot of swings. Oh, no, I stand corrected. I stand corrected. 37.8 outside the strike zone. Uh, swing percentage, 53 overall swing percentage. Uh, the call plus swinging strike percentage is uh, on the, a little bit on the low side, but it's almost identical to Tanner Bybee, 27.5%. So we're getting there. Uh, yeah, and, and the best part about Bailey Ober, 6'9", 260. What in the... Could you imagine being a major league hitter and you're facing a guy with this much control, this much command, and it's such an imposing figure on the uh, on the mound there? It must be a sight to see. The last guy here, Hunter Green, uh, at ranked at number 45 overall, according to the ESPN 300. Uh, so, yeah, he uh, is at the very end of this list. I would rather have him than Jose Barrios, maybe Hunter Brown. Definitely Michael King. Definitely Chris Sale. I've never been a big fan of Merrill Kelly. I don't want to deal with Shane Bieber. Uh, I don't care about Cole Reagans. 
I don't know why he's on this list. I thought he was going to be the closer for the Royals, Cole Reagans. I don't know. I have to look into it. I don't care much about it, too. Uh, I didn't care much about Cole Reagans to look any deeper than that. I, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I don't care. I'm, it just doesn't screen someone I have to draft. And, and I think he's there because he probably qualifies as a relief pitcher and will probably be closing up shop for the Royals. But, well... Might as well see. Let's take a look at the stupid Royals. Who I, I'm not very fond of them this upcoming season. They made some moves, but I don't care. A lot of those guys that they signed are probably going to get traded anyway for more prospects that are going to fail under their system. Uh, <laughs> the Royals. Oh, Cole Reagans is going to be the number one guy. Okay. All right. So, yeah, I mean, this is a, a sleeper of all sleepers, Cole Reagans, a, a guy that I have not been paying attention to. Projected to throw 177 innings in 2024 with 186 innings pitch. According to Fangraph's uh, roster research projections, I think they use the Fangraph's depth charts projections for that one. But only a 2.48 strikeout per walk ratio. For an ace pitcher, I would still love to see that go a little bit higher. Yeah, four more first-round pick, 30th overall for the Texas Rangers. Oh, is he on the, was he on the Aroldis Chapman deal, I wonder? Hmm. 2016 amateur draft. Uh, low fastball grade, low curveball grade, but the big bread and butter is a changeup and impeccable command, which, yeah, still a work in progress, but he did post double-digit uh, strikeout per nine ratios last year uh, in between starting pitching and bullpen duty uh, for two teams, looks like the Royals and the Rangers. But uh, uh, nah, I'm not excited. <laughs> I, I am not going out of my way to Get a guy from the Royals. I'm sorry. My hater, whatever. If the opportunity presents itself where I'm not spending an arm and a leg on this guy. Uh, sorry, my getting distracted by the text messages as I'm receiving. But yeah, uh, if the price is right, I'm going for him. Uh, but yeah, I still would rather have Hunter Green. Chris Bassett, yeah, definitely uh, Hunter Green over Chris Bassett. Walker Bueller. I do love Parker Bueller, but I, I am not in the mood to um, see. I, I can tolerate that from Tyler Glass out in the Rays. I don't know if I, I have it in me to tolerate a recovery season from Walker, Walker Bueller and the LA Dodgers. So, yeah, Hunter Green. Um, we all know him, former second pick overall in the 2017 draft, guy who could throw 100 miles an hour. And he did show some signs. Like, yeah, there was a lot of uh, ups and downs with this poor kid. But I think he's finally healthy. He's still only 24 years old. He'll be 25 in August. So basically next year will be his age 24 season. Big fella, 6'5", 230-pounder. Double-digit K per nine. Actually, 12.21 strikeout per nine ratio. Walks are a little high, but that's okay. If you're going to give me that many strikeouts, I will forgive the walk rate. Still not as bad as Dylan Cease. Uh, the peripherals are kind of uh, alarming, I will admit, but I am encouraged by his expected ERA, which is the StatCast uh, expected uh, ERA number, for lack of a better definition. It is at 3.82, so there is some something promising. Uh, still gives up a high exit velocity, 43.4% uh, hard hit rate, but I don't care. The upside's there for bigger and better things. He does give up a lot of fly balls, 46.7%. Uh, especially in Cincinnati, that is kind of a red flag. But still, oh, Sierra of 3.74. And uh, the 
defense should be much better behind him now. It looks like a lot of those guys, those prospects that were coming up for the Reds farm system through the Reds farm system are only going to get better. And uh, now they know their spots, they know their place. Still 49% swinging percentage, 33.4% outside the strike zone swing percentage, 28% call strike plus swinging strike percentage combined. I'm excited, man. Get it, get pumped up for Hunter Green. Let's go. All right, so those are the first three tiers. I have four more to go. Let's do one more before I call in a break. I'll do the first break. Again, trying to see how much I can get done. Uh, there's only 40 uh, pitchers total, including relief pitchers, that I will be going through in this episode, assuming everything goes right for me in the next couple of minutes. Otherwise, uh, well, we'll see. Uh, Bryce Miller at number 55. This is a guy kind of dropped the ball on last year. Uh, but he's, again, the Mariners are so good at getting guys that can keep their walks in check, have high command. Uh, they, they weren't, they're not going to wow you with their big strikeout totals, but man, oh man. I mean, the 1.78 walk per nine ratio, and that's after posting. Let me see. I can only imagine what he posted in the minors. 1.37 at double A, although that was only four starts. Let's see here. Uh, okay, 3.3. That's not good. <laughs> that's not good but you know 2.90 in high a back in 2022 that's okay they did fast track him though so it's kind of hard to see uh how good he can be in terms of how of that low walk per nine ra ratio is it uh is it something that he can repeat or did he just get lucky last year at 289 289 babbitt maybe there was some luck involved uh but I will take that chance on a Bryce Miller. Uh, like I said, the Mariners do a wonderful job of getting these guys who are just come in with impeccable control. Red flag, expected ERA of 4.83. That's okay. FIP says it's at three, it should have been at 398. XFIP is at 4.30. And my favorite stat of all time, Sierra, uh, 4.17. But you know what, though? The arrow is pointing in the right direction with Bryce Miller. Exciting uh, young pitcher. Um yeah, throws a fastball slider combination. So, ah, yeah, that's a little bit of concern. But that fastball cucks in at, uh, according to Stack, has at 95 miles an hour. So maybe we'll see more of the sinker, more of the uh, changeup as he continues to develop in the majors. As like I said, the Mariners fast tracked him. Uh, but yeah, oh my God, 33.8% outside the strike zone swing percentage, 52.7 swing percentage in his rookie campaign. Golly, already a 50% swing percentage. I want this. I, I, I want this. Let's go. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll sacrifice the contact if it means that he's getting hitters to pitch at pitches that they shouldn't be swinging at. Let's see. Let's do one more, and I'll call it a break here. Oops. That's Bryce Miller, the Seattle Mariners. Oh, speaking of the Mariners, Brian Woo! Ric Flair drip. Oh, I guess I'm not supposed to mention Ric Flair anymore. Oh, man, that stinks. Nah, screw it. Ric Flair, woo! Brian, woo! <laughs> Will be 24 years old uh, at the end of this month in January. Uh, same thing. Pretty good control, though. A little bit. Uh, uh, he, he comes with a walk per nine ratio of uh, 3.18, but a lot higher strikeout per nine ratio of 9.55. Prospect rates show a guy with a big fastball. And a work in progress, but a high upside changeup. Breaking pitches are also nothing to brag about, but it was enough for the Mariners to call him up. 
what is this command? Yeah, command high upside of uh, a 55 grade, but only at 45 at this point, uh, at least at the time of his uh, call up. Only an 87.4 mile per hour exit velocity. So that's good. Uh, he, although, who knows how much of a luck factor that's involved there. Uh, Sierra says, yeah, he's more lucky than good, but still a pretty decent 4.13 Sierra. Again, that's the ERA uh, peripheral that takes into account the bat of ball data. Where was his BABIP? Yeah, 273. Yeah, that's <laughs> he definitely benefited from something last year. Uh, uh, JP Crawford or uh, maybe Eugenio Suarez playing third base, Julio Rodriguez at center field. I don't know. So he definitely benefited from, uh, <clears throat> and of course, maybe some ballpark factors are involved as well. Seattle's still one of the, still has a reputation for being a pitcher-friendly ballpark. I'm not sure if the numbers state that like they used to, but that is a reputation, even as they moved the fences in about 10 years, 10, 12 years ago. Uh, plate discipline. Where the heck did it go? I just saw it. Mm, well, let's see. Statcast. Pitch velocity, 95 miles an hour. So they have a type. The Mariners have a type. Big fastball, but with impeccable command and control. 50.8% swing percentage. 27.6 call plus swinging strike percentage. Still a work in process. Call plus swinging strike percentage. Yeah, that's what I said. 27.6%. 12.5 swinging strike rate. A lot to love about these two guys from the Mariners. And since I gave you two back-to-back -back Mariners, for real this time, last pitcher, because I got to get going. Oh, no, Lick Lodolo. So this is the other extreme. We have uh, guys who have solid foundations in their pitching repertoire. At the very least, they have, they have the, the profile of starting pitchers with safe floors and still have enough of a high upside to really – uh, be intriguing uh, pitching prospects. And then you got Nick Lodolo, who's like all upside and no floor, <laughs> if that makes any sense. Uh, yeah, he's a uh, respectable fastball grade. Uh, slider is the bread and butter at 70-70. The command is still a work in process, but still a high upside of 60. A lot to like about him. Has a size, 6'6", 205-pounder. Former first-round pick. This guy just screams, can't miss prospect. And again, he succumbed to injuries, inconsistencies, a 2.62 home run per nine ball when he was healthy and pitching on a regular basis. So this is a work in progress, but man, oh man, if you can tolerate some of his uh, foibles, I honestly think you're going to get handsomely rewarded for your patience here. I know the StatCast numbers don't show uh, any promise, but here it is, Sierra 3.46. They're a little bit more forgiving on that batter ball. Uh, so a lot of promise there. x 3.78. They still believe him in him, despite the fact that uh, uh, it's uh, the home runs were given up in bunches according to the home run per nine uh, total there or ratio there. Statcast pitch type fastball, curveball, and uh, and uh, the occasional changeup uh, and mixing in a sinker. Actually, he's giving up on the sinker and just concentrating on a fastball. Uh, fastball ninety three point two miles per hour, which is pretty darn good for a left handed pitcher. Um, from what I remember, I, I could have sworn people keep telling me that velocities aren't that high for left-handed starting pitching prospects. Either way, respectable. I'm pretty sure you can light up the light up the uh, the radar gun if he needs to. Plate discipline numbers: thirty-six point three outside the swing strike percentage. Outside the outside the strike zone swing percentage. Sorry about that. Thirty point eight percent call plus swinging strike percentage. The guy has stuff, man. The guy is filthy. Only a 72.2 contact rate. 
don't overlook Nick Lodolo. So but I'm sure you're going to ask me, though. Felipe, come on. There has to be better pitches than this guy. Well, uh, would you prefer him over Aaron Savali at number 60 as, a number, as the 60th best uh, starting pitcher? A lot of people would. I wouldn't. I still believe in Nick Lodolo. I, although I still got to figure out if he's hurt or not. I see that uh, uh, they, that his arrow's pointing down according to the ESPN rankings. Nick Pavetta, I'm not taking any Boston pitchers, man. I don't trust. I don't know what the hell Boston's doing. I'd rather not deal with that. Gavin Williams, yeah, again, that's another guy who would. I, I was actually going to add him to the list, but I think uh, what ended up happening was uh, maybe I did add him. Did they already update the rankings? I could have sworn Gavin Williams was on the next tier at 61 and 75, but at any rate, uh, that's a tough one. I don't know. I, I kind of caught myself in a pickle here. But I still like the upside of Nick Dodolo over Gavin Williams. Uh, over Bryce Miller, nah, it's just Bryce Miller at 55 and all the reasons I gave. Same thing with Brian Wu. Shane Baz, I probably would take Nick Lodolo. I just The Rays are just a mystery to me. I don't know what the heck they're doing half the time with their pitchers. Nate Yovaldi, nah, man. I, uh, I, he, I'm done. I'm done. Uh, him and John Gray, thanks for the championship last year, but I, I'm going to go in a different direction. Give me Nick Lodolo. Braxton Garrett, I'll take Nick Lodolo's upside. Christian Javier, same thing. Uh, he looked gassed. I think years of uh, going through a six-man rotation to accommodate Justin Verlander the last couple of years are finally catching up to these guys. Or who knows? There might be other reasons. I know the podcast with Chris Welsh was talking about Christian Javier being a two-pitch uh, pitcher and that kind of costing him. Um, Mitch Keller, yeah, for the Pirates, I don't think so. I I, I have high hopes for the Cincinnati Reds this upcoming season. You Darvish, I'm done, man. I'm done. Carlos Rodon, same. I'm done. Not in that ballpark. Mason Miller, the A's suck. Eduardo Rodriguez, nah, I don't think so. Hunter Green, yeah, I gave me Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo on the same team. I did it one? I did it a couple of times uh, in a couple of my leagues last year. I'm gonna go on back on that gravy train one more time, and that's a good place to stop for now. Uh, so let me stop sharing my screen, and I'm gonna see if I can get away with just pausing the recording and going from there. And we're back. This is. Once again, the Total Basis Podcast, I did have to uh, step away for a little bit, but I am back, so I will go ahead and share my screen one more time. We left off talking about Nick Lodolo. And as you guys can see from the screen, first name up is Kenta Maeda of the Detroit Tigers. Uh, he signed a free agent deal. It uh, looks like a two-year, $24 million contract to play with the Tigers this season. There's a lot to like about him. I, I, I'll, be, I'll be honest, uh, after taking some chances on some very young uh, starting pitchers, I decided that maybe now would be the time to go after uh, a veteran, uh, go after a veteran starting pitcher. And uh, once again, I mean, I look at the list. Would I take Nick Pavetta over Kent Maeda? Probably not. Aaron Savale? No. Clayton Kershaw? Well, now it gets interesting, right? But I don't think Kershaw's coming back. At least the Kershaw that we all have grown to know and love. Uh, yeah, he's... I don't think he's coming back. It's a, it's a shame, but it is what it is. All things come to an end. Uh, Nestor Cortez? Eh, I don't know. It doesn't really excite me. Nestor Cortez, I think. 
last year he kind of showed who he was. Lucas Giolito, nah, that's a mess over there. I don't want anything to do with that. Max Scherzer's gone for half the season at the earliest. Then you got like a Yusei Kikuchi, Andrew Abbott, maybe Tristan McKenzie, uh, Louis Varlan, uh, nah. <laughs> Uh, Seth Lugo for the Royals. Nah, John Means is coming back from Tommy John surgery. So I think Kenta Maeda ended up being the logical choice here for me. Uh, ranked as a 61st best starting pitcher according to the ESPN Top 300. Uh, let's see here. What am I looking at? Ah, yes. So, uh, has always posted respectable... Uh, strikeout per nine uh, ratios. Uh, he has a career 9.88 in his uh, Major League Baseball career. Is able to control his walks, which is all we're looking for. Give me respectable strikeouts and keep those walks at bay. Home run ball could be a problem. He's always had a pretty a high home run ball. Uh, well, let's see. 1.24. Is that is that really high? Well, it doesn't matter. I mean, look at the XFIP. Yeah, I guess it is pretty high. They think uh, he should be better than his 423 ERA. XFIP has him at 398. That's the stat, the peripheral that keeps track of the. Uh, basically, says if if all if all things were equal as a as it pertains to home runs, then he would be at 398. He would have a 398 ERA. Expect the ERA. That's a Statcast uh, predictor there for earned run average, 3.77. And the FIP is at 4.02. Uh, yeah, again, probably because of the home runs. So I, let's see, how far does this go back? No, I don't like that. I don't like this new Fangraphs uh, model of things. Yeah, that's not good. So what I'm trying to do here is see how bad or maybe how good that 1.24 home run per nine innings is among all starting pitchers since 2016, which is the year that uh, Kenta Maeda came into this league. <clears throat> Excuse me there. My mouth's a little dry. I forgot to take a sip of water before I started. So uh, let's see. 215 pitchers qualified during this span. 1.24 would be, let's see, not, not top 30. Ooh, not top 90. Can I get at least league average? Yeah. 111th out of 215. So what is that? What is that roughly? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, about 51 percentile. So a little bit better than league average. That's kind of an archaic way of doing things around here. Uh, but uh, it got me the answer that I was looking for. I guess I could have also looked at his XFIP, uh, career XFIP of uh, 377. So where does that rank him in terms of uh, since 2016 league leaders? 377, not top 30. Um, sorry, it's just still now my curiosity is getting the better of me. 46. He's 46th ranked behind Trevor Bauer, Sonny Gray, Chris Archer, Freddie Peralta, slightly ahead of Jesus Lazardo and Fra Frankie Montez. So decent company that he's with, Kenta Maeda. The home runs are, not, um, are an issue, but if he's able to 
somehow find a way to keep the ball in, uh, inside the ballpark. Maybe Detroit is exactly what he needs. He might have something here. Uh, you could tell me, well, what, what about the home run per fly ball rate? Maybe that's the problem. All right, well, he's, he's not top 30 in that category. Not top 60. Maybe top 90? Nope. Let's go up a little bit here. I went too far. Looks like he might be middle middle of the pack. 12.9. That's Ty Black. Steven Strasburg's up there. 13.5 is tied for 117th out of 215 starting pitchers who qualify. So once again, yeah, about 54 percentile. Uh, or, uh, you know what? Yeah, I'm doing this wrong. <laughs> Let's see if I can go back here. So oops, no, that's not what I wanted. 117 divided by 215. That should equal. Hmm. Right, I was doing it right. So about 45%. So that is an issue. And I think the home run per nine is also um, off a little bit with my percentile. So, But he is hovering close to league average in that regard. But yeah, so that that, that is a possible problem for Kenta Maeda. But that's okay. A uh, lot, plenty of peripherals show that he could be better than what he's shown so far. The hard hit rate was pretty darn high last season for him in Minnesota. So that is another concern. But he's always had a barrel rate below 10%, which at this point, that's all you can ask for. But he's definitely a fly ball. Well, he was definitely a fly ball pitcher in Minnesota last season, coming back from uh, uh, injury. I forgot that he had missed the 2022 season. Uh, Sierra, though, 3.76. What was his BABIP? BABIP, 293. Eh, not too shabby. So... Maybe with a better, um, well, I'm going to say better because you're going from Minnesota to Detroit. Well, I thought I saw that Detroit finished in second place to the Minnesota Twins. So, um, well, losing record. But like I mentioned before, the arrow is pointing somewhat up for the Tigers this season, uh, for this upcoming season, I should say. He still mixes all his uh, three pitches very well. Fastball uh, looks like a splitter and a slider. So he still he still hit the ninety one mile per hour average zone. So that I mean, for a guy of his age and the surgeries, the arm injuries that he's had, you take that for a respectable forty eight point five percent swinging percentage, along with a thirty four point two outside the strike zone swing percentage. Anything above thirty, I. I'll take it at this point of the uh, of the uh, rankings here. 28.6 called plus swinging strike percentage, which that's also pretty damn good. Uh, you will take that in a heartbeat. So what I'm trying to figure out is where is that plate discipline? Oh, there it is. Okay, hold on a minute. And what I say, 34.5% outside the strike zone swing. Yep. That, oh, geez. Sorry, 34.2. And that puts him at top 15 among all starting pitchers last year if he qualified. So, yeah, I that's that's good. That's very good. So all the more, all these reasons to get Kenta Maeda and buy in on him for next season, he should be listed as 
the number oh number three because Jack Fl I didn't realize that Jack Flaherty had signed with the Tigers. Not that I was ever interested in the guy, but uh, yeah, Maeda doesn't even have the pressures of being like top of the rotation. He's mid rotation, but still projected to get 147 strikeouts and 144 innings pitched. And once again, keeping the walk levels low and a controllable, sustainable level. So at 61, I yeah, I, I'm pretty confident in Kenta Maeda coming into the 2024 season, especially at this low of a ranking. So what's 61? Well, hold on. I'm not looking at that. Overall ranking for Kenta Maeda, 268 overall. So in a 12-team league, what is that? That's the 22nd round. That's like, that's that's the end of my points league draft. <laughs> anyway, next guy up is Reed Detmers. And now last I check, the Angels were going to go with a five-man rotation now that they don't have to worry about uh, Shohei Otani. Reed Detmers is your SP1 so far, according to Roster Resource, he is projected to get 190 strikeouts in 177 innings. Uh, so what? how much are we talking about here? Uh, yeah, 9 point... Is that right? 9.66? I'm doing something wrong here. Let me see. That's definitely wrong. All of a sudden, I forgot how to do the formula for strikeout per walk ratios. Reed Detmers. I have it at 9.67 or 9.7 strikeout per 9 ratio. Okay, so I did do it right. 9.65 according to uh, the fan graph step charts, 9.65 uh, per steamer, despite the fact that he posted 10.17 last season not to go along with a 3.63 walk per nine ratio, which is good for a 2.80 strikeout to walk ratio. You know what? It's going in the right direction. He's been improving the strikeout to walk ratio since uh, his debut season of 2021. So those are things we want to see. He should be getting more playing time next season. Um, these peripherals uh, don't really do him justice as, uh, you know, they, they're all over four, which is pretty darn close to his real ERA. However, there was a lot of, there was some uh, times last season when I was looking for uh, starting pitchers for my teams. And I, I know I, I drafted Reed Detmers in a lot of my mock drafts. I think he was on all three of my fantasy teams this past season. But, you know, I had to drop him because... The Angels were going with a six-man rotation because of Shohei Otani. So really, in a league where in leagues where you're trying to uh, pad the stats and accumulate stats and get two starting uh, two-start pitchers, like in my points league, uh, Reed Detmers is pretty useless, uh, especially last year uh, under the circumstances with Shohei Otani still on the team. Therefore, the Angels having to utilize a six-man rotation. However, uh, let's see. There were stretches last season when he looked pretty darn good, and I would have added him in a lot of my leagues um, if I had the uh, the space for him. And if I knew exactly when he would pitch, if you uh, had any of those Angels pitchers last year, any of those six guys last year, including Shohei, you never knew. Uh, the schedule uh, starts for, those, for that team itself was just so random and not very... Um, 
dependable. I mean, it was so volatile that, yeah, it was just frustrating to deal with. So hopefully more consistent schedule starts uh, is a good thing for Reed Detmers. Other things to like about Reed Detmers, 6.2% uh, barrel rate that has that barrel rate has decreased every single season since he's been since he's been called up. Um, fly ball, he's a fly ball pitcher. At least he gives up more fly balls and ground balls, so that's a thing to look into. But stack has pitch type, um, still mostly a fastball breaking ball pitcher. That pretty much is on the way to ditch the changeup, which I think he would benefit from trying to refine that changeup. Otherwise, the slider and curveball might be enough to kind of keep uh, hitters honest. But, but, you know, he keeps increasing the velocity of his fastball as well as four-seamer as he's pretty much ditched the sinker. Yeah, he doesn't. The sinker was never a pitch that he utilized a lot, but now it's completely gone. It looks like if last year's uh, numbers are any indication. And of course, the most important thing, how's the plate discipline? 30% uh, outside the strike zone swing percentage and 48.8% respectable swing percentage along with a 27.3 uh, call plus swinging strike percentage. Again, all of those numbers are going in the right direction. They're going upwards and onwards. Same with the swinging strike percentage at 12.2%. Uh, contact rates are, are kept pretty darn low considering um, the situation that Detmers is in. So I really like him. He's the 67th best starting pitcher according to Tristan Cockroft's uh, ranking. Um, but yeah, if I can get him this late, with, uh, he's ranked at 280th overall. So I mean, we're talking, what is that? The 23rd I mean, I was able to get Justin Steele like in a 25th round, 26th round. I mean, 22nd, 23rd round for some of these starting pitchers is it would just see, be simply amazing. And then the last guy on the on this tier, number 74th ring, Griffin Canning, another Angels pitcher that just caused all types of frustration for the simple fact that uh, they had to share time with Shohei Otani and he'll, right off the bat, the Angels if everything goes uh, accordingly uh, for roster resource, you're looking at Detmers at number one in that rotation and Griffin Canning at number two. And same thing with Detmers. Canning, every time I needed a starting pitcher around July, August, September, just desperately looking for pitcher, uh, starting pitchers, I should say, and spot starts and things of that nature. Canning's name always showed up. I just couldn't pull the trigger because I can't trust those Angels pitchers and then that bogus six-man rotation. And I'm probably being a little bit too critical of those six-man rotations. Eventually, you know, you, you have to prepare yourself for the time when the time comes and uh, maybe six-man rotations uh, will become the norm and not the exception. But as of right now, only a handful of teams do this, and it's already annoying enough as it is with the piggyback pitchers and the bullpen games and the guy that only goes three innings or four innings. Uh, because he can, uh, hitter uh, hitting lineups cannot see that pitcher more than twice or three times per game because they get exposed. So we got to bring in the bullpen. So it's just, and and uh, supposedly this is uh, the strikeouts are super high for pitchers nowadays. That you would think that we were in the, we would be in the middle of a pitching pitching friendly era, but. Um, <laughs> 
I, I can't make heads and tails of of uh, of this uh, modern baseball game. And anyway, that's a different conversation I have at a different time. But Griffin Canning, uh, again, respectable uh, strikeout totals last year: nine point eight five career high strikeout per nine ratio. Uh, pitched in twenty two starts last year, one hundred twenty seven innings, uh, only gave up two point five five walks per nine, which is a career low for him. Uh, the velocity kept increasing as well, despite the fact that he only played well. He, yeah, 22 game starts. That's pretty solid for a guy, part-time player like him, to get to 22 starts, all things considered. Uh, the peripherals don't really like him except for XFIP, and he has a pretty high uh, home run per nine of 1.56. But kind of a mini breakout for him, Griffin Canning, that is. Uh, despite the fact that he would get rattled, but there were times like same with Reed Detmers, uh, any random four to five week uh, time periods where he looked pretty damn good out there. Unfortunately, again, he's pitching every six days. If you if you play in a weekly league like I do, it's kind of useless. If even in semi weekly leagues like in my fan tracks league, just the fact that the Angels just kind of they literally use pencil to uh, pencils to. Uh, uh, schedule their starting pitchers as the, the it's a pretty volatile situation with those six man rotations. So not not a fan, not a fan of it. Um, but you know Sierra three point eight zero Sierra last year. So there's a lot to like here. I mean, there's a lot of things to worry about, but there's definitely a lot of promise here that it should definitely be worth keeping an eye on and this late in the draft yeah definitely go out there and be aggressive uh, as the as your traps uh, wind down and you're looking for that pitcher to fill out the rest of your rotation you could do a lot worse than griffin canning and of course the most important thing that i look at is the plate discipline yeah once again uh outside the strike zone swing percentage of 32 and a half percent respectable 48.5 swinging rate overall Contact rate's about 73.4%. Uh, uh, sorry, what I meant to say is it's kind of similar to the contact rate that Reed Detmer showed off, 52.3% outside the strike zone contact rate, which is pretty damn good. Um, if you don't believe me, let's look at the leaderboard and see what 52.3% gives you um, if you qualify. So we go to plate discipline, leaderboards, and... Contact rate of fit. We're looking for fifty-two and a half percent. Is what I said correct? Let me see here. I said fifty-two point three percent. So even lower than what I ex I thought it would be. Uh, fifty-two point three percent outside the strike zone. Contact rate is top five. If Griffin Canning would have qualified, and he would be right there tied with Charlie Morton. We all know who Charlie Morton is. Other guys who are at the top of this leaderboard for lowest outside the strike zone contact rate is Zuzardo, who we just talked about, Blake Snell, the Cy Young Award winner, the questionable Cy Young Award winner, the true Cy Young Award winner, the guy who should have won it, Spencer Strider, at 44.7% outside the strike zone contact rate, which is absolutely insane. Just craziness. So that's the type of uh, company that Griffin Canning... Uh, could potentially meet um, if he if we can extrapolate those 127 innings and get him to 150 and get him on a regular schedule 29 and a half percent called uh, strike 
plus swinging strike percent plus swinging strike percentage. That's insane. That is. And go get him. Go get him right now before someone else finds out about him. Move on to the next tier. Now we're almost done with the starting pitchers. We're at uh, pitcher 76 through 90. Let's see here. Ah, Brian Bellow. So this was a very, uh, this is a tough one. It's 77th ranked Brian Bellow, which I have a soft spot for him because I used them um, in the championship game for my head-to-head weekly categories league and i believe bellow qualifies a two-star pitcher there so i rolled a dice with him and decided to use him but there's a lot to like here i really i, I truly do believe there is does the the his prospect rates from fan grabs with a 60 potential fastball 60 potential slider 60 potential changeup. only thing that needs to be worked on is the is the command future value 50 back in 2022 38th overall best prospect in all of baseball and uh, yeah, strikeout totals weren't there, but he did gut it out last year for 157 innings pitch, kept his walks to a minimum at 2.58 walks per nine. Uh, but unfortunately, the peripherals don't like him. XFIP at 4.02 is the friendliest towards him, but still, it's over. It's um, uh, it, it's an uh, a predictive ERA above four, so he needs to work on that. Uh, but 2.93 strikeout per walk ratio. Anything, anytime it's anywhere between three, if it's above three, three to one ratio, you'll take that happily and all the way to the bank and hopefully into championships. But yeah, the strikeout totals, they need to go up if we are to believe in him. But there's a lot to there's a lot to like about him. There truly, truly is. I mean, he has that big fastball. Uh just needs to figure out how to put more command and change speeds and able to locate it the way he wants it, the way he wants to locate it. Otherwise, I can only imagine how juicy that fastball looks from Brian Bellow's hand. Uh, let's see here. Stack has pitch type. Yeah, fastball 20.7%. Sinker 36.4%. Uh, and then slider changeup. So nice mix of pitches there. But um, yeah, there's something off about him. But I mean, it's a healthy 95.5 mile per hour fastball. And you know, lot, lots of so many pitchers would take that velocity in a heartbeat. So the saving grace that potentially could be here, 32.32% outside the strike zone um, swing percentage. So where does that put him again? If he qualifies at 32.0%, at top 20. Right there tied with Jordan Lyles in that category at 17th overall. Uh respectable i keep using that word respectable 48.3 anything anytime i see a 48 percent swing percentage i i notice that i keep calling it respectable but is it really respectable let's find out sorry i got a little distracted i'm trying to figure out if i'm looking at these numbers correctly what is it 32.0 percent outside the strike zone uh actually it's 28th overall I don't know, for some reason, I might have mentioned that it was uh, a higher rank than that. But 20th overall in that category for outside the strike zone, swing percentage signed with Jordan Lyles. Uh, swing percentage of 48.8%. That puts him tied with Merrill Kelly, 17th overall. And ahead of guys like Yusei Kikuchi, Jesus Lazardo, Christian Javier, guys that, Freddie Peralta, guys that we've all been uh, singing the praises on this podcast before. So... 
So yeah, he that's the reason I, I don't give up on Brian Bello. I know that he's uh, with the Red Sox. I know I mentioned before that I don't trust anything that the Red Sox are doing, but this would be one of the few exceptions as Brian Bello is the young guy on that rotation. I think he's about... I just had it here on the other screen. Here we are. Brian Bello, listed as the number three pitcher behind Nick Pavetta and Lucas Giolito, will probably, is, uh, will probably be 25 by June or July. Oh, actually, I'm sorry, May, May 17th. He'll be 25. So he's literally entering his 25, age uh, 25 season. So he's still young enough. 25 is usually pretty old for a prospect, but he has a, a couple of seasons under his belt, albeit not with a lot of experience, but still, I, I you would take that. So yeah, uh, respectable swinging percentages. Contact rate's a little high uh, compared to uh, what we saw from Griffin Canning and Reed Detmers, and even Kenta Maeda. I believe Kenta Maeda, I don't think Kenta Maeda ever got close to above 75%. Um, Bello was at 77.8%. So lots of work to get done here with this kid. I, like I said, though, I still believe in him. I don't He's been spotlighted before on this podcast, so um, I think this is, was one of Sean's guys, my old podcast partner. So, so I will continue to monitor him, and if he's available super late in drafts, definitely worth the price of admission. Um, Christopher Sanchez, so this is something I wanted to do because I kept thinking to myself, like, isn't Christopher Sanchez just the... Um, the poor man's version of Ranger Suarez for the Philadelphia Phillies. So let's put that to the test a little bit. Why don't we, um, as I, I have this uh, customized um, data tally over at fangraphs.com that I like to use to uh, compare other players as it has all the stats that I'm looking for in one place just by simply customizing your leaderboards. So I said Ranger Suarez... I don't know, Yogi. Let me see here, Ranger Suarez. All right, let's take a look. How did the how did these two pitchers compare last year? Let's take a look at all of 2023. So Suarez pitched in more games. So, but let's find out. Here we go. It's ready to go. Suarez pitched in 22 starts, Sanchez in 18 starts, 125 innings by Suarez. Sanchez almost got to 100, but he instead had to stop at 98 innings pitched last year. Strikeout percentage and walk ratio and percentage goes to Sanchez along with this ridiculously high strikeout to walk ratio. So they're not the same. 5.94 strikeout to walk ratio for Christopher Sanchez, which dwarfs by comparison. I would even go as far as saying maybe it doubles up. No, it doesn't. Sorry. Big uh, false alarm. But still, uh, much higher strikeout per walk ratio compared to Suarez. Suarez did have the edge in home run per nine innings. So he was able to keep the ball in the ballpark, but it came with a higher whip for Suarez. But that could also be constituted with a, or attributed to a high uh, Babbitt of 324. The better peripheral, slightly edge, slight, slight edge goes to Christopher Sanchez. The Suarez does have him beat in FIP, but XFIP and Sierra are dominated by Sanchez. He, Sanchez also induces more swings. 
gives up less contact, whopping 30.9% uh, called strike plus swinging strike uh, percentage. <laughs> That's insane, man. I mean, that, uh, and the fact that he's ranked 79th overall, and he might even go undrafted in some leagues. Let me see here. Christopher Sanchez. Let's take a look back at the top 300 pitchers. Where is Christopher Sanchez? He's not even ranked. So he's outside the top 300. That's the 25th round, 25 players. This could be Christopher Sanchez. Potentially could be the last man, the last man that gets drafted in a lot of drafts uh, that are upcoming this season. But Sanchez took advantage of the fact that he was uh, summoned to be the starting to be a part of the starting rotation for this Philadelphia contending Phillies team. And he delivered with, again, respectable strikeout per nine ratio, a very good walk per nine of 1.45 uh, walk ratio, um, respectable peripherals below 4.00. And I'm talking about the XERA, the FIP, the XFIP. Uh, the real test is the Sierra, which comes in at a whopping 3.33. Oh, my goodness. Highway robbery, if you can get this guy. Uh, ground ball pitcher, 57% ground ball rate. It's amazing, um, especially considering the ballpark that he plays in uh, over there in Philadelphia. Uh, dominates with three pitches, sinker, slider, changeup. Um, he won't blow you away at 92 miles an hour with that sinker, but there must be all types of movement. And unfortunately, I don't have the time or, nah, let's face it, I don't, I don't even have the wherewithal to look at the how it breaks um, from the plane and things of that nature. And I can look it up, but it's, I don't have that kind of time right now, unfortunately. Let's, uh, and again, the plate, this one numbers, I mean, I already, yeah, I already said a lot of this stuff. I mean, 48% swinging percentage with a 54.5 outside the strike zone contact rate. And I'm sorry, that's the pitch info plate discipline. Where's my regular plate discipline? Either way, it's pretty darn good. 37.6% outside the strike zone swing percentage, as I mentioned earlier. So Christopher Sanchez, I, I'm hoping that a lot of this uh, swinging, uh, these swinging strike tendencies that he possesses would ultimately translate to more strikeouts uh, for 2024. Cutter Crawford at, ranked at number 90. And I know I've been pretty critical of the Red Sox, but... Compared to everybody else, uh, Cutter Crawford would be the guy to look at this late in the draft. Ranked number 90th overall among all starting pitchers, according to ESPN's Top 300. Uh, Cutter Crawford will be 28 next season. But last year, in 23 uh, games started with 31 of those, I'm sorry, with 31 overall games. And you know what? Let's, let's see if we can compare, do a little bit of comparison here. I believe I still have my leaderboard. Yes, I do. So let's get rid of Ranger Suarez. And let's put in Cutter Crawford into the mix. See how far away he is from uh, being identical to uh, Christopher Sanchez, the Philadelphia Phillies. Let's see here. Cutter Crawford, 23-game start, 107 innings pitch last year, a slightly higher strikeout rate. But again, that control from Christopher Sanchez just makes everybody look kind of uh, weak in that regard. Um, but still, Cutter Crawford was able to post a 3.66 strikeout per walk ratio in games that he started. So this is only game, uh, 
games started statistics. Uh, the peripherals, once again, you had slight advantage. Go Well, not slight, but the full advantage goes to Christopher Sanchez. Um, but Cutter Crawford does come with a 397 Sierra. And again, pretty respectable outside of strike zone swing percentages. Uh, a big whopping 51.5% swing rate with 76% uh, contact rate. Just right there on par with Christopher Sanchez. Uh, the big difference is that's the, they're 26.4 caught plus swinging strikes percentages. That is a, kind of a combined thing. Crawford also uh, has a stuff plus over 100 at 105 compared to Christopher Sanchez, who has a stuff plus of 83. So Crawford has a stuff somewhat ha uh, somewhat velocity while Sanchez is going to try to uh, outmaneuver you, outsmart you, outcraft you. Either way, uh, Cutter Crawford, as long as he's on that rotation for the Red Sox, um, he should be good. Should is the big keyword there. So, move on to the next batch. These are, I'm speaking of, <laughs> just talked about Ranger Suarez. And I must have not liked anybody else uh, this late in the draft. But Ranger Suarez ranked number 91 overall. Um, so he's right there on that threshold. Uh, would I take him over, over Mackenzie Gore? Probably not. But Mackenzie Gore comes with a growing pains of, him, uh, of his own. So at this late in the draft compared to guys like Steven Matz and James Paxson, Jamison Tyone, I want a sure thing, and Major Suarez is as sure as it comes from a fantasy perspective. Uh, what has he done for us lately? So uh, that's not it. Where the heck is Ranger Suarez? I just, well, I know what to do here. Hold on a minute. Just clean up a little thing here. Let's put him back on the list. <laughs> so right now it's just Christopher Sanchez and uh, Cutter Crawford. Let's put in Ranger Suarez, see if he can beat these guys up in any of these statistical categories uh so let's see ranger suarez would have the edge and fip so let's sort by fip feel independent pitching and suarez is helped by a pretty low home run per nine ratio of 1.17 uh and a very oh wait that's sorry that's cutter crawford ranger suarez was at one uh 0.94 yeah, that sounds more like it 0.94 home run per nine innings pitch. So uh, the FIP stat it will always look into things of that nature just to figure out how dominant a pitcher can be in that category. Uh, but yeah, he, uh, of the three guys listed here, Cutter Crawford, Christopher Sanchez, Ranger Suarez. Suarez has the lowest uh, strikeout per walk ratio of anybody in that three-man group there. Um and the highest walk per nine. But he also has the most innings pitched. He's too big to fail at that point, right? Suarez, 32.3% uh, outside of strike zone. Swing percentage, 27% call plus uh, swinging strike percentage. So pretty good. I mean, if he wants to play with the White Sox now, he could if, he, if we allow it. <laughs> anyway, uh, but here's a red flag, 94 
swinging strike. I, I like to see that number in the double digits. Stuff plus of only 85. Then again, Christopher Sanchez is only at 83. So if mentioned Christopher Sanchez does it with Kraft Ranger Suarez, does it with macaroni and cheese, Kraft mac and cheese, right? So, anyway, so that's Ranger Suarez. Uh, proceed with caution with him, but you could do a lot worse. Edward Cabrera at number 92, not too far. Basically right behind Ranger Suarez in these rankings. But uh, Edward Cabrera um, had some... Nice little moments last season for the Miami Marlins. So I load up his uh, team's page. Where is he? Edward Cabrera listed as the number four spot for the Marlins. At, uh, oh, I wanted to see the projections really quick. Yep, 153 strikeouts against 139 innings pitched. Now, I do see that he has a projected walk of 70. So that totally kills his strikeout per walk ratio. Because it's now a 2.19. Um, for his projection, which is pretty darn high for my taste. But uh, those 153 strikeouts will come in handy, I, I, I could assume at this point. Trevor Rogers is the number five starter. Edward Cabrera is the number four starter. So things are definitely, definitely looking up for Edward Cabrera. Um, let's see what else we got here. 10.66 strikeout per nine ratio on the walks. Yeah, the walks are going to be, yeah, I had a feeling it was pretty darn high. 5.96 walk per nine ratio. Why the heck did I add him in here? And I did say that things are looking at, oh, because he's penciled in as, at the number four spot as opposed to the number five spot. That's for Trevor Rogers to worry about. Uh, did not give up a, a lot of home runs, according to home run per nine. Uh, ground ball pitcher. So, yeah, I could see how he doesn't give up a lot of home runs. Fastball uh, uh, hovers around 96 miles an hour. Just the batted ball. Sierra, ooh, 4.68. Awful. But ground ball pitcher does good. 285 BABIP. Okay. But uh, let's see. Stack has fastball and curveball and changeup. Pretty much all but a, get a trending uh, to abandon the sinker and the slider. But yeah, the fastball comes in at 96 miles an hour for sure. And then, of course, the plate discipline numbers 33.4% outside the strike zone swing percentage. Uh, ooh, ugly 43% swinging rate. But it comes with a decent, actually more than decent, outside the strike zone contact rate of 56.2% and 71.8% contact rate overall. That gives you a nice total of 28.4% called plus swinging strike rate. And double digits, once again, in swinging strike percentage at 12.1 for Edward Cabrera. So that alone is reason for me to be optimistic about him, especially if he's going to be going this late in the draft. He's still young, will be 26 come uh, April. He should be ready to go and give uh, keep expanding on his durability. And maybe he'll hit the century mark and in innings pitch this season. But there's a lot of promise to Evo Cabrera, even though he's on the older side.
of things here. Logan Allen. Oh, yeah. Logan Taylor Allen, I believe is his name. Um, for the Cleveland Guardians. If I could find him. But I, I know that he was spotlighted in our show from before. Uh, I know that he was one of my guys that I wanted to spotlight on one of those minor league shows that we do from time to time. We had really productive days at AAA. Uh, I, I just remember when I looked at the Fangraphs leaderboards uh, for minor league pitchers, he was always at the top of the list. So Logan Allen listed as a number four pitcher uh, for your Cleveland Guardians of the Galaxy. Which comes uh, comes with a projection of 134 strikeouts versus 143 innings pitch. We're an 8.4, very respectable 8.4 strikeout per nine ratio. So you would take that every single time. So the future, they, the Guardians did not give up too much on Logan Allen, but they kind of threatened him with a good time. Um, no, I thought they had signed someone who was on injured reserve or something. But, uh, the, the, well, let's see. Now would be the time to look at Guardians pitchers. And, yeah, we're waiting on Daniel, Espin uh, Daniel Espino to come back. Uh, maybe Hunter Gaddis can be a thing. Hmm. Never mind that. So... It's literally, literally Logan Allen's job to lose. At least I like to think so. Chase Silseth, as we wind down the starting pitchers, Chase Silseth with your Angels. Guy I'm really high on. Um, once again, it's one of those things where no more Shohei Otani, so that means it's time to spotlight these young guys. He should be, last I checked, the number five starting pitcher for the Los Angeles Angels of Southern California. Yep, number five. With a projection number of 119 strikeouts and 124 innings pitch, you'll take that, especially this late in the draft, from a young pitcher like him who's going to be turning 24 in May. So he's on the younger side of things as of right now. Needs to work on that command, though. Those are in the side of the control, 4.47 uh, walk per nine ratio. FIP is uh, way above four, especially his expected ERA. That's okay. Uh, he comes on with a nice fastball at 95 miles an hour. Uh, ground ball pitcher. Oh, Sierra doesn't like him, though. <laughs> uh, let's see. What was it? See, uh, his BABIP at 250. Yeah, that's why Sierra doesn't like him. Luke, broad. Uh, let's see. Stack cast pitch type. Uh, fastball. Looks like a splitter, sinker, slider, and all but ditching that curveball. Maybe in case of emergency, break glass and relearn the curveball. I don't know. And as mentioned, stat, uh, where'd it go? Stat cast pitch velocity, 95 miles per hour on that fastball of his. So, uh, yeah, a lot to like here, especially with the Angels. They are kind of forcing themselves to be a five-man rotation, so remains to be seen. He needs to work with this. Uh, Chase Selsa needs to work on 
his plate discipline as uh, he has very low swinging tendencies, but can't argue with the results. 61.7% outside the strikes on contact rate, which not, not the low numbers that we've seen so far, not the lowest of numbers that we've seen so far in that category, but something that you will take. Although it does kind of come off as a little bit fluky, but it does come with a 28.3% called strike plus swinging strike percentage and an 11.2 swinging strike rate. So I, I always like to see the double digit numbers in that one, especially once they go over 10, uh, preferably going over 11. Uh, so that's Chase Sosa. Did we do anything for Logan Allen Taylor? I think we kind of just kept on talking about him. Oh, yeah. Maybe we did talk about him a little bit, I believe. The decent swing percentage, but needs to work on uh, getting more strikes, pitching more strikes by any means necessary. Tanner Hoke, <laughs> another Red Sox player. Again, um... <laughs> I, know I, I know I was critical of the Red Sox pitching staff, but I think this might be Hoke's time to shine. He has a he has a size for the the, the role of pitching for the Boston Red Sox, six five, two hundred thirty pounder. A lot of teams would would have said yes to him already to get more playing time, but alas, gah. Uh, Tanner Hoke listed as a number four guy in Boston, one hundred thirty one strikeouts against 142 innings pitch. I think you will take that as a safe floor kind of guy. But fastball slider combination was very well graded when he was a prospect uh, under the Red Sox uh, farm system. So I'm just trying to look at some of these other numbers, but there's really nothing that kind of stands out. Well, let's see, home run per nine. Yeah, career high of 1.19, so he needs to cut back on those home runs, if possible. Easier for me to say than to actually do. But the strikeout rate is the lowest it's ever been since he got called up. Ah, let's see. Uh, yeah, danger zone in terms of the uh, hard hit rate data that's available to us at the moment. Ah, where the heck is it? Let's, yeah, 43.8% hard hit rate according to StatCast. Ah, pitch type. Um, StatCast pitch type. Uh, ditched the fastball last year. Try to concentrate more on cutters and sinkers. And definitely threw a wide array of... Uh, I kind of lost my thoughts. It's embarrassing. <laughs> Oh man, I, I lost my track. Oh, I can't believe I lost my train of thought. It is getting late on out here. You know, I might just do these couple of pitches and call it a night. I'm getting very sleepy here. Um I have to do relief pitches some other day. So yeah, it's fastball. Yeah, ditch the fastball and concentrating on the sinker is Tanner Hoke. Uh and then really just unleashing on that slider. Does that equal to more swinging tendencies. Let's find out. 32.1%. It's about the same that he's ever done. 47.3% swinging overall rate, which is a career high for him, the highest that he's ever posted in that category. 55.1% outside of strikes on contact rate, 72.7% contact rate overall, 28.9 call plus swinging strike percentage. I like what I see from those discipline numbers. Uh, 
So I am confident in saying that this is the guy to get uh, at this point of your drafts. And then, oh, my guy results in rank number 121st. Another Tiger player. Gotta love the Tigers. Gotta love the, uh, There's a certain trend that's unfolding within my baseball universe, so to speak. He should, Reese Olsen at number 121st overall should be ranked somewhere here. Um, I'm sorry, not ranked, but yeah, number five in the rotation spot. Uh, I really liked him last year. I had I basically picked him up in all of my leagues. 139 strikeouts and 146 innings pitched. That's another one. So Matt Manning, Casey Myers were the darlings of that rotation, especially as young farmhands for young prospects. And it's the ninth rounder, uh, Tariq Skubal, and the 13th rounder, Reese Olsen, who are basically saving the Detroit Tigers from total embarrassment for not being able to develop those uh, early round starting pitchers. Uh, only his rookie year last year, but he did throw over 100 innings. Almost got a nine on his uh, strikeout per nine ratio. 2.86 walk per nine. Uh, but yeah, some of the peripheral numbers are pretty wary on him. 4.77 ER, expected ERA. So yeah, that's calling him out for being a major fluke. Uh, the 1.22 home run per nine inning uh, probably didn't do him any favors there. See, let's take a look at the pitch, pitching tendencies for Statcast. Yeah, big fastball, a big uh, slider pitcher too, and has a changeup and sinker to keep pitch uh, hitters honest out there. Ninety-four point eight miles an hour on that fastball. That's what you want to see. And of course, the plate discipline. And we got to come in with an open mind because he was just a rookie, but thirty-one point nine percent outside the strike zone swing percentage. And only a 46.2% swinging percentage. So, uh, yeah, the, the rest of the population needs to pick up on that. Uh, I'm sorry, not the rest of the Reese Olsen needs to pick up on that. Contact rates, pretty respectable. That's how the strike zone contact rate at 53%, 74.3% contact rate overall, and a 28.6 called plus swinging strike percentage. Arrows pointing up for this kid. Uh, only 24 years old, will be 25 in late July. So plenty of time for him to kind of prove himself. And like I said, I wanted to get through relief pitchers here, but man, I just didn't realize how late it was here on my in my little time zone. So not the 40 pitchers that we wanted, that I wanted to sh uh, get through on this episode, but how many pitchers did we talk about here? I went into great detail, but 24, okay. 24 starting pitchers um, to kind of sink your teeth into. And on that note, like I said, I'll have to do a quick episode on relief pitchers and give them their fair shine there. But uh, yeah, I'm just like, just don't have the energy anymore. So I am Felipe. You have been listening to the Total Basis Podcast. Thank you for listening if you made it this far. And I hope that you found this information to be useful. And if you're in a league with me, just know that I will be targeting all these players and I do expect to get a majority of these players on my team for next season. You've been warned. You've been given a list of starting pitches that I was interested in last year. I did the same exact thing 
around this time of year. And I let all my uh, baseball, fantasy baseball, um, fantasy baseball league mates, opponents, get wind of my strategy. And they just went ahead and let me take all the pitchers that I wanted, all the uh, sleeper hitters that I could handle. Got me two championships and two a uh, week. Uh, I'm sorry, two head-to-head -head categories leagues. So very good season last year for me. Uh, very happy with the results, and hoping that doing these exercises will uh, give me repeated success for the 2024 campaign. But until then. We will see you next time. Have a good night, everybody.